and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. My guest this week, flying in on her invisible jet, it's uh, Film Inquiry Editor-in-Chief Christy Strauss. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I love that I have an invisible <laughs> jet to fly yes. in on. <laughs> Un- unfortunately that m- might you know you might have some trouble uh finding that on the way out considering it's invisible but um you know figure out gl- something. Gl- yeah you'll, you'll figure it out you're smart um christy we we have new movies new, i know new movies to talk about you know christmas blockbuster season they they found a way they found a way to give us our christmas blockbusters uh a lot of movies came out over the the Christmas holiday weekend. We are not going to get to all of them, although some of the uh, smaller ones we'll get to in future episodes. But the two big ones that we're going to discuss this week are Wonder Woman 1984, um, which we've kind of talked about from sort of an industry standpoint on this podcast before, um, and Warner Brothers' uh, kind of industry-shattering decision to have that movie available to watch on hbo max as well as in theaters for anyone who dared to see this in a movie theater um as well as we're going to talk about soul the new pixar movie that was available to watch on um disney plus over the holiday weekend so i don't know is is there one in particular that you kind of want to want to start us out with should we should we talk wonder woman should we dive into the wonder woman discourse yeah um i think that's that's a good way to start. And yeah, there is a lot of discourse on that. I feel like that's been like my Twitter is almost it's like crashing because of how yeah, much... same. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know how you kind of feel about the whole, are we still calling it the DCEU? I don't even know if these movies are necessarily connected anymore, but the, the DC run of movies, I don't, I have not particularly been a fan of any of them really, except for, the first Wonder Woman movie that um, starred Gal Gadot and was directed by Patty Jenkins and came out in 2017. Uh, I thought that movie was a lot of fun when it came out and kind of a refreshing change of pace with just its sort of movie star charm and kind of upbeat energy that, like I said, was just a change of pace from the kind of like brooding apocalyptic tone of the Zack Snyder movies that were largely coming out around that time um so I was personally really excited to you know hop back into this world and to see Gadot back in this role that I think kind of made her into an international movie star um would not say I'm the biggest fan of this movie, although it appears to be based off the very heated discourse that's kind of happening all over social media, that this movie is divisive to say the least. So I, I think it's going to give us a lot to talk about, but I know what's kind of your relationship to the first movie and kind of the other DC movies and are, are do you agree with me? Was this kind of an underwhelming experience for you or did you actually really enjoy it? No, it was definitely underwhelming. It, it was uh, it was a bummer because <laughs> I actually really did love the first Wonder Woman. Um, I think that is a standout in the uh, DC universe, if you want to call it that. The uh, DC stumbling around, not coherent verse. But um, the other one I do want to throw out, I really enjoyed Birds of Prey earlier this year. Just to oh, another, okay. another DC, I, 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 that was surprisingly um, 
good. But yeah, this this movie was totally underwhelming. I mean, I'm not someone that's going to like say I hate or love loved it. I, I'm kind of like I watched it and it was kind of more of like a meh, you know. <laughs> um, and there's yeah. thing, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, uh, do we need this? Unfortunately, and I I do think Gal Gadot is so good as Wonder Woman, and there's definitely a lot to dissect with the movie. But um, yeah, that was like my overall kind of takeaway. It was just like. You know, I didn't like hate it. I, I don't think it's like the best movie of the year, like some people are saying, or one of the best. Um, I think that it's messy and I just was was very underwhelmed. It's a great word to use. Yeah, I'm probably with you. I'm I as much as I kind of didn't enjoy the movie, I'm a little shocked at kind of the maybe it's just like people taking their anger out of the rest of the year. I'm I'm a little shocked at just sort of like the some of the, the vitriol and hate. Um, yeah. that people seem to have and may, maybe maybe i can better contextualize kind of my feelings at, after watching it um i was pretty surprised that this is not just a, a wonder woman movie set in the mid 1980s but this also feels like a superhero movie that would have come out in the mid 80s um like i the thing that immediately popped in my head was kind of the the late or the the sort of mid 80s superman sequels that yes. <laughs> you know are kind of i don't feel like i'm being mean by saying are very very corny and they're a little kind of flying by the seat of their pants and are very on the nose in terms of their messaging and it's it's kind of very clear that it they're just from an era where studios were thinking okay kids like superman so but like we no one's really taking comic books that seriously and and that's not saying that i want the you know <laughs> i cannot stand the Zack snyder aesthetic <laughs> that that's all i'll leave it at but I, <laughs> I i almost think you know the fact that this movie feels aesthetically so much of a throwback to that kind of those like 80s superman movies um i i don't know i think it's an interesting sort of polar opposite from the the Zack snyder movies which seemed you know i i i like comic books just like batman and spider-man you know as much as the next person but i don't i don't think i'm beating around the bush by saying like a lot of people get into these as as kids and kids are sort of the initial target audience for superhero stuff and there, there seemed to be something about kind of the aesthetic of say batman versus superman that was like embarrassed by the idea that this is on some level like like kids property and that we need to treat this as though it is like apocalypse now which i sort of found eye rolling but then this seems baked out of a different kind of superhero aesthetic which is like it's a kids movie or at least that was my opinion like i my thought just ending the movie was just i guess this just isn't for me and maybe that's okay. And that just has me a little surprised that people are so enraged by it. Um, and we can get into a little more depth about the specifics of what doesn't work in the movie for, I think you and I, but um, I, I don't know. Did you have a sense like that? It just sort of seemed to me like a throwback to a much kind of cornier, more kind of loose comic book movie that was a little bit more directed at kids and kind of, wrapped everything up in this very kind of like wave your hands in the air like beat you on the head like saturday morning message for the kids 
No, I actually, I totally understand and agree. And I think they, you know, I originally, I was pretty excited that it was going to be set in the eighties. I thought that'd be kind of fun. Um, but then like, you're right. It's almost like a movie that was made in the eighties. It's like, they took that a little bit too on the nose. Um, too literal. <laughs> yeah. So no, I totally get that. And I actually, I had a similar feeling with like Superman, some of the sequels and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, again, I want to go back to, I really don't understand though how people can be so vicious about it though, because I mean, it, it's still like, I mean, it's, you know, it's still not like a horrible movie. There's plenty wrong with it, but like, there's some things to take away from it. But yeah, it's also one of those movies that has that whole, like everything that happens almost doesn't matter. Cause it's like reverse sort of situation. And yes. even though there's things to take away from it, especially with like Gal Gadot's character and her like like what she gets out of it, I don't know. When you do that, they they almost feel like throwaways, you know. Like I hate to say that, but it just doesn't really progress her character in the story of Wonder Woman, you know. I, yeah, and I think it's interesting. But maybe we can get into some more details. Um, I think in particular the I I like you was really fascinated with the 80s aesthetic when it kind of was announced and, and just the movie announced as wonder woman 1984 because the first wonder woman movie if anyone hasn't seen it is set during world war one and the idea of let's sort of update it but then now we could have a wonder woman movie that is a core a cold war thriller or can maybe even comment on some of the you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for like Dr. Strange level satire, but you know, I, I kind of like have fun with sort of the socio-political environment of mm -hmm. cold war eighties. And I think kind of my biggest criticism against the movie, because I don't know that necessarily the like eighties Superman aesthetic is necessarily like something I think is a big problem as much as is just sort of like a personal thing that just like doesn't gel for me um but i think my kind of big issue with the movie that i kind of wanted to float by you is do you feel like this movie is in some ways hindered by the the level of importance that we put on the the first movie and sort of the shadow of the first movie in the sense that there there is this feeling that that first movie became such a such a cultural touchstone both as a superhero movie with a female lead, which we don't get enough of, as well as a massive blockbuster movie with a female director, which we definitely don't get enough of. And this movie just feels like it has such a weight of importance, but in this very worrisome way that it needs to almost just uphold... Um, the brand and that's really the only thing it's here to do like the 80s aesthetic i mentioned earlier some interesting directions it could go in but it kind of just seems like the only reason they picked the 80s is stranger things like the, the <laughs> idea that kind of 80s we are in this very nostalgic moment for 80s pop culture and it was just like a boardroom meeting and someone was like you know what let's let's have it in the 80s people are really digging the 80s right now stranger things is big what if we just set this in the 80s and just have like fanny pack jokes um <laughs> yes. and even stuff like you know speaking of fanny packs chris pine who again if you haven't seen the first wonder woman movie spoiler alert i guess um chris pine dies at the end of that movie 
um yeah. chris pine by the way my favorite of the chris's yeah in the the grand chris ranking just what <laughs> what a treasure of a human being but um he gets reintroduced into this plot in a way that's maybe a little too convoluted for us to fully explain on uh, on this podcast um but i i don't know i was excited to see him and godot back together because i think they had a very fun kind of playful flirtation in that first movie and he brings something out of her in that first movie that's really exciting to watch but here it just sort of seemed like the only reason he was back was, well, we, we, we got to figure people like Chris Pine. We got to bring oh, yeah. Chris Pine like, back somehow. And, yeah, and when a, I, and it, go yeah, ahead. Go I, ahead. Just, <laughs> I, I was just going to say when I saw the trailer and I saw that he was in it, I was so confused. I was like, what are they doing? He died. Like, why? Why? How could he be back? And yes, it is probably too convoluted to dive into. But I mean, I like their scenes together and I actually kind of like in this movie like what it does to her being with him um because it's like you know she's obviously been pining over him um but for a long time and and you know being um you know kind of just struck with such grief of of losing him so i like that element in a way like that was something i enjoyed their chemistry back and forth even if a lot of his stuff was a little hokey you know like with the fanny pack and and dressing but it's kind of like um with captain america when he's like introduced to the like 20th you know 21st century and like these right. different things that, and it's, it's it can be hilarious you know it can be kind of funny to put these people that like don't age or like um are used to something that was older so i thought that would be cool with the 80s just to tie back to that as well but yeah um i i love their chemistry i actually rewatched the first one right before watching the second one which really gives you an idea of just the uh superior elements of the first movie just to throw that out there might not be a good idea i don't know well and even i think i think that kind of weight of importance that i mentioned earlier you can feel it both in gadot's performance and in this kind of weird like the thing that almost annoyed me the most about the movie is this insistence on there needs to be a very clear message for the audience to take away um and i I, and i think there's a way you can it just sort of seemed like all the things that were just sort of coincidental and subtle in that first movie are now like we need to directly address this stuff we can't just have the 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 sort of aesthetic pleasure of wonder woman as this female in a man's world and just being able to you know just the image of her like in that the the nomad or the no man's land sequence in the first movie Mm -hmm. like that being this powerful moment of kind of female empowerment um but is yet such a just simple striking image but yet in in this we have to have like you know wonder woman defeats the like cartoonish sexual assault guys or we have to like continuously beat the audience over the head and like there there is a message for everyone to learn about um wishes and being careful what you wish for and being happy with what you have um that i i i don't know i just i didn't need i think this character is sort of powerful enough that i don't think we need to turn this property into a message movie if that makes any sense and have need to have learned a lesson by the end of it and i think even in godot's performance i 
I, I found myself a little underwhelmed and maybe it's because she's now playing the straight man against pine because he's the fish out of water in this situation as opposed to the first movie but i it seemed to me that the kind of like weight of importance of wonder woman as a cultural figure in the movie world sort of sucked a certain life out of Gadot's performance and she almost seemed so concerned with I need to uphold this like dignified image and it, it kind of felt like she was having less fun with this movie I don't, I don't know did you get any sense like that oh absolutely yeah um I mean I think in general this movie is less fun but I definitely think she seems like she was having less fun and I I, I totally understand what you're saying and I think I think that's a big a big problem with it um that whole you know trying to get that message a point uh, across trying to kind of like beat you over the head with it to an extent um and it's it's so much throughout the movie too like there's always lessons and and when she has her own kind of like epiphany i suppose as to like what she needs to do and make the decision and you know her realizing she has to give up her wish etc i just didn't really feel that like it wasn't there, there wasn't a weight to it i didn't when it came it was just kind of like yeah you know and uh, it just, I don't know. I, I really feel like the whole movie going on this idea, um, th these messages, as you say, was just not the right way to go. I feel like the storytelling was just kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say like boring because it wasn't boring, but you kind of knew what you were going to get like as it was going. You know what I mean? Like, and, and obviously with movies like this, there's a predictability element to it. But this just seemed like they just went the wrong route i wish they had done a different story altogether honestly yeah it seemed like what's the lesson for everyone to take away was the the primary concern in the writer's room as opposed to just put together a good story um let's talk about a couple of the new characters the villains mainly um <laughs> we have Kristen wig one of my just favorite snl cast members ever playing oh absolutely uh cheetah and then we have the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal, playing Maxwell Lord. Um, I should back up. Pedro Pascal basically playing Donald Trump <laughs> as this villain, Maxwell Lord, who I guess the briefest synopsis of the plot I should give is uh, Pedro Pascal's character comes into the possession of a wishing stone, essentially, and like and, consumes it. Yes, consumes the wishing stone <laughs> and then goes. Maybe you can better clarify what his in-game plan is, but I guess is leveraging his wishing power to get business deals in the world by just asking people what they want most, and then everyone's wishes have horrifying consequences. Yeah. Like I think the most comical example the random woman who's yelling at an Irish customer in her pub and says, I wish you Irish would just go back to where you came from. And then in five seconds, all of a sudden there's police outside arresting Irish people, which was just a very strange, weirdly outdated reference <laughs> that I was just like, is this supposed to be funny? This seems like a joke from just like centuries earlier. <laughs> it's a head scratcher. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what did you think of of Wig and, and Pascal as the, the kind of dual villains of this movie? Who I actually think get more time than Wonder Woman herself yeah and i think pascal especially he's like really kind of like the head villain um you know like and it's funny when this movie first was being talked about trailers i kind of got the idea that Kristen wig was that she was like kind of that 
ultimate villain in this movie and she doesn't even really become cheetah in a sense um until like very very end um, i have to admit i was very confused i was texting people afterward and was like <laughs> so i get that Kristen wig makes a wish on the wishing stone to basically can i become the the quote-unquote like hot eyeliner version of myself which is like the the change in confidence is just i'm gonna take off my glasses but put on like a lot more eyeliner yeah and wear a little bit like outfits that are a little bit more like uh you know stylish it's like it's yeah. it's like the classic you know like suddenly you take off glasses and the, the woman's beautiful it's ridiculous right but then then she makes it a wish later to become a, a cheetah woman and i was just like Whoa. well she wishes to be something like a rich like that like unlike anybody else or something like that something special like i don't think she specifies cheetah, that's right. what she gets. it just sort of happens <laughs> it, it you know what it actually because um before we hopped on we were talking about the the film inquiry christmas roundtable that we did and the the christmas movie i mentioned there was batman returns and this and reminded me of catwoman exactly that's it's, funny it's you written, said that yeah really it's did. written almost exactly like michelle pfeiffer's catwoman character in batman returns but as much as i love kristen wig it just doesn't have any of the the kind of campiness of of that movie i mean th this is a campy movie in some to some extent but like that performance in this role isn't doesn't have the same kind of fun over the top sense of of campiness that pfeiffer's bringing in batman returns that i think kind of sells the 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 sort of transformation of the selena kyle character and yeah. here you're just sort of like a bit bewildered by the evolution of the Kristen wig character and it, it feels like a character that should be more campy and like over the top fun than it actually is yeah and and it's, it's just so funny though i wrote down to mention how it reminded me of that because i mean other than just like the obvious i suppose feline uh <laughs> animal <Yes. laughs> um also, you know, they're both like, you know, overlooked, underappreciated, um, obviously both like attractive women that somehow as soon as they get this confidence, you know, they're just um, stunning. But like nobody notices. As soon as they take off the glasses, it, it, <laughs> yes. it, everyone's like, oh, wow, there's there's a really beautiful woman that was under there the entire <laughs> who, time. That who we knew that's noticed. all we had to do. Right. <laughs> but yeah. And they both kind of like have these bad experiences with um, bosses or men. And then like, you know. They're also both not really villains. Like they're they're villains, but they're you know more or less. It's just like they just kind of get this power and and kind of want you know either revenge or just to be you know in her case, Kristen Wiig's case, just kind of like special. Um, but right. they're not they're not as necessarily like narcissistic and and stuff as uh, pedro pascal who by the way he like wants he just keeps talking about wanting more like that's his wish and he like often like tricks people to wish what he wants <laughs> like don't you wish this something something and he would like it would be like a benefit to him but like he basically goes on tv and just like sucks everybody's wishes in and like gains like you know a lot of power that way i i don't i'm the whole thing's kind of confusing because like as you said before <laughs> when you make a wish it's like what is it the is it the monkey paw is that like the thing that the i think original... that's the, the parable that is used yeah. to to explain yeah. it that somehow made me even more confused because i wasn't familiar with that parable. Oh, yeah yeah um it's like a 
I've I I know what they're referring to. I think it's actually like a almost like a um rabbit's foot type of thing situation. But anyway, okay. um but yeah, it's it basically grants your wish but it takes something away. And and in this case, you know, for um like Kristen Wiig, it kind of like takes away her kindness, like humanity, I suppose you could say, darkens her. Um but with him, he like starts to I don't know, like because he's like consumed this whatever the hell it is. Um it's like he's like physically like kind of falling apart but then when he gets more wishes somehow he's like able to like heal that it's not very thought through it's it's like i i don't know (laughs) i i feel like it's just too convoluted to like really explain any better (laughs) i'm so glad that i'm not the only one that by the kind of the last third of this very long two and a half hour movie that somehow felt twice as long um i i was just totally baffled and didn't understand the like what the pedro pascal character's grand evil plan was beyond just sort of like grant more like i'm so confused at what the granting of the wishes does beyond i guess kind of what you suggested like power question mark like what's his Um, motive like like i don't know (laughs) and and i i will say though I think <laughs> until the sort of later stage of the movie when that character just makes absolutely zero sense, I, I actually think Pascal is having the most fun in this movie. And I was kind of enjoying, even though the <laughs> the choice to um, very clearly have his character be a, a satire on the current president, which um cer- a choice that I don't know fully we explored to um all of its possibilities but i I, in terms of just being like a goofy over-the-top villain in the the spirit of like gene hackman and those superman movies like i i thought he was really fun but ultimately was just sort of underserved by a character who just kind of didn't make any sense yeah no i agree and i i think it was he was fun to watch i think he was having fun i just I just uh, the character didn't have a real direction that made sense <laughs> or was uh, too clear. And that's just, you know, unfortunately, the like I said, the storytelling. And that's kind of a similar thing with Kristen Wiig. Like she's, you know, perfectly adequate in the film. Obviously, I love Kristen Wiig um, and I didn't, don't even mind her in that role. It's just I, I wish that there could have been different decisions to have these characters a little bit, maybe more exploration into what their motives are. Um but yeah, to kind of go back to like this, this whole like you can also rescind, like take back your wish and then like everything just goes back to normal. It does kind of make the whole movie other than Gal Gadot or anyone that's experienced, I guess they can grow as a person, but it just kind of like erases everything, you know? So it's kind of like, right. what was the, what was the point of that? So Pedro at the end can realize like, you know, I love my son and this is wrong or um, Kristen Wiig can realize, you know. I'm beautiful no matter what and special no matter what like those messages that you talked about like that's really the driving point of the film and it just doesn't feel like there's a weight when it kind of just gets reversed in a sense and I don't know if you agree with that but also like Wonder Woman like her realization that she needs to save the world it's like don't you didn't you already have that like um I, I don't know I mean she I don't want to like I don't know how much we spoil things but she has to lose her wish which has to do with Chris Pine 
Right. And yeah. And that was one thing I actually kind of like. I, sometimes I think it's interesting to explore the superhero, like, because a lot of times they just want to be normal, you know, it's so must be so hard. Sorry. Um, but no, they just want to like live a normal life. So it's kind of interesting for her to like have like less powers and just be kind of like living with this, you know, the guy she loves. But even that didn't have as much emotional like weight as I ex- expected, you know, or, or would want which is unfortunate, but well, do you have any final thoughts on uh wonder woman 1984 or any last observations before we move on? Um, un- unfortunate that it, it, this, this kind of wound up being a, a pretty big disappointment, but I, I don't know. Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are clearly going to do a third one. It was just announced. So maybe that can be a little better. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, final thoughts. I mean, I thought it was kind of cute when they flash back to her young on that uh, island too, because I, I kind of, I love that environment. Um, Always love seeing Robin Wright. Right, exactly. I, you know, I almost wish there was more of that. But also, um, her her armor at the end was badass. Um, she can fly. I don't think she could do that before. Like she just started soaring through the air. I thought that was like, she never did that in the first one, right? Is that like a new? Discovery? I don't. I don't think so. I, no, I feel like I remember her leaping very far. Yes, but, but she literally I, flies in this one, and I'm right. just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. It's, I guess. It, I guess before moving on, I do have to ask you about the special effects because, um, I I have to admit the sort of final battle between her and the digitized cat version of Kristen Wiig was was mm. kind of so dark that I couldn't really tell what was going on and maybe it was just the the screener I watched it on um but I I have seen a couple other people point to some of the I I don't know I personally thought some of the effects looked terrific like the the big mall action sequence that opens yes. up the movie I thought was really fun but then there's other um effect shots like you know in the the unnamed middle eastern country that they visit midway through the movie that very much looked oh it this looks like what it would have looked like if you guys made this in the 80s i mean it's it's not even storytelling decisions at this point like this this looks a little plasticky and kind of fake um i don't i don't know i agree i agree no there was some special effects that were not very good and unfortunately like with a movie like this you know you kind of expect a level plus the first one you know looked terrific so i I don't i don't know you know but uh, i also want to say too like some of the just the action sequences were kind of disappointing too um like i was i enjoyed the ones in the in the first movie more um and it's not like we need a bunch or anything but like the final battle you might say with wig and 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 pedro um just wasn't they didn't really I don't know. Like, I don't think they really stood out, um, which is unfortunate. But what are you going to do? But I do love the mall sequence that it starts up with, uh, opens with. Yes, that that is very fun, and I I I think gave me hope that maybe we were going to get more of a Richard Donner Superman than like Superman for the Quest for Peace. Um, but let's let's transition to our other movie which mm-hmm. is the new Pixar movie, Soul. Um, C- Chrissy, how do you feel about the afterlife and about <laughs> the meaning of, let's get, let's go, just dive into the let's existentialism. <laughs> yes. 
Um, um, I, I really en- I enjoyed this movie. I don't know that it would crack kind of like the top tier of Pixar for me. Um, I'm curious as to obviously whether or not you liked it, but do you think kids will like this movie? Because I, I, I thought it was so funny, like me kind of planning out this episode and thinking, huh, I, w- I would not have expected like the Pixar movie would feel like the one that was more tailored for adults. And the Wonder Woman movie is the one that kind of feels like, I don't know, it's 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 for kids and it's just not for me. Yeah, no, that's funny, because also there's the connection of like this movie's kind of giving a message of, you know, appreciating life and living life, right. whereas the other one was like, like this actually wor- works in delivering that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I actually uh, liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I was I, I didn't know like anything about this movie, which I try to do as much as possible going into them. But um, I was didn't expect it to be uh, like quite so uh so deep and i think this is gonna go over a lot of kids heads for sure like i feel like adults are especially this year too like it's funny that they put it on christmas like or around christmas the very end of the year it's kind of like things are going to be okay appreciate life for every moment um because this year sucked but yeah it's uh it's it's one that really i don't know it's it's almost like a little cathartic but i just feel like other than things being cute and like a talking cat kids are probably not gonna really dive into this one too much like but that's just my my opinion i don't know wonder woman might be a better wreck yeah i was just thinking about um i i have a nephew who's going to be four soon and um my my brother and his wife have like just started getting showing him movies for the first time and so like i he watched his first movie over thanksgiving which i believe was the good dinosaur and i just kept trying to think like I don't know how into like it's not like this movie's necessarily like inappropriate for him, but I just don't know how much he would care about kind of like the deeper existential um, questions that this movie is uh, sort sort of pondering. And I think it might actually be the most mature movie that Pixar has ever put out. Um, it's uh, got Pete Doctor. Um, shepherding it who I, I've been trying to think of kind of what defines the different um, sort of Pixar filmmakers who routinely come back and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people put sort of uh, intense emotions as something that they come to think of with Doctor's movies and you know, he did Monsters Inc and Up and Inside Out um, but I actually think you know because all the Pixar movies are really trying to make us cry to some extent and some of them are more successful right. than that, that than others. But I think what Doctor really brings is a great sense of world building, uh, in particular with Inside Out or Monsters, Inc. You know, every single detail in those worlds, whether it's the, the behind the door monster factory and the outside world outside of that factory or the functions and metaphors for every little thought or feeling that comes into your head throughout the day that's in inside out i this has that same level of very smart um kind of nuanced world building in which every single little component feels like it's been parsed over and considered and thought out and i think this is really of a piece and i i've seen a lot of people compare this to inside out i don't think it's quite as good as that movie but i i i still think it's it's 
pretty dazzling in places. I, d- I don't know. What, it, what did you think of it? And then, like, what are kind of your favorite Pixar movies or the ones you return to over and over again? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, I think Inside Out is is a a standout, and Up is definitely one that always makes me cry. I don't know anybody who doesn't like <laughs> um, doesn't in that, especially that first part. But this is a movie too that is is very emotional, um, which I should have expected, and I of course didn't. Uh, so they got me. But um, something I really loved about this, and it is kind of that world building, you know this uh, this afterlife uh first of all that like conveyor belt to the beyond is kind of terrifying <laughs> it's it's very it reminded me a lot of i don't know if you've ever seen the the powell and pressburger movie uh a matter of life and death but there's it's not quite an escalator but there's a staircase to heaven in that movie that looks very very similar and there's a lot in this movie about you know someone who dies unexpectedly but doesn't quite want to go to the afterlife and wants to go back to earth to re-experience something whether it's in the case of this movie like uh, a jazz musician played by jamie fox who's finally getting his big gig break and but dies the morning before he's able to fulfill that lifelong dream and i don't know there's something about that that it's very reminiscent of like i said a matter of life and death or even the warren Beatty movie heaven can wait mm-hmm. um i don't i don't know if you haven't seen either of those to any of our listeners heaven can wait pretty solid warren Beatty movie a matter of life and death i, I think definitely if you enjoy this movie and the sort of fantastical afterlife world building to like a thousand percent check out that movie because it's incredible yeah and it's an interesting choice to do for a pixar you know that's that's again it's almost right. like catered to adults um because kids are definitely not gonna wrap their brains around some, some of these things uh you know i actually have a four-year-old nephew as well and i can't i imagine that he would barely like he'd probably just walk around and barely pay attention to it and definitely not take in the messages that you're supposed to and um they definitely are a lot of powerful messages but it is interesting too um like again to the world building there's this uh, i'm trying to think of what they call it but it's like the souls that are it's i think they're going to basically be put into the world like as babies or whatever right and they have like the personality types um that part was pretty funny um and they have mentors and um, you know, without going too much into into the plot, you know, he basically mentors this like soul that's been around for like I think she, she says like thousands of years, um, voiced by uh, Tina Fey. Another strange connection between these two movies. Another SNL uh, wonder, oh, that's but um, true. yeah, right. <laughs> We're finding quite a few, um, but yeah, and she's obviously like very difficult, and it's there's this hilarious like stretch where she has like all these uh, mentors that were like hugely influential throughout the history of the world um and they all like can't stand her but uh she ends up kind of going on this journey with with him and um actually gets put into his body and he gets put into a cat um because you know you gotta have something for the kids you gotta have a switcheroo (laughs) yeah um but it's, it's actually really i mean it's I, I really did enjoy it a lot. Like I said, I don't I like you said, I don't think it's like my one of my favorites, but I think um for this year I it's it's one that is is stand out just because it's it's something uh something kind of different and it it was very um moving. I thought it was really well done and quite funny at times. Honestly, going into it, I thought it was gonna be more about music. I had no idea that it was gonna dive into such like existential uh <laughs> 
um, the complexities of of life and death and one's mortality. And so I was when I ended that movie, I I had a good a uh, <laughs> good little like ten minute like you know sad kind of uh, thought process, which I think is part of what they're probably going for. So yeah, for adults and I'm at gl- least. And I'm glad you brought up the music because I do think the music is pretty incredible in here because yes. you obviously have jazz music that was supervised and arranged by uh john Pat- batiste as well as uh an original score by trent reznor and atticus ross that's you know i i would say if you're looking for one of the best soundtracks of the year with just both the jazz music and the the trent reznor music it's it all works pretty perfectly and i i i don't know i i've been listening to uh the soundtrack to this since um first seeing it i I guess about a month ago is when i saw it but um yeah and i i think this is maybe the best looking pixar movie too um i was trying to think (laughs) while you mentioned some of your pixar favorites what some of my favorites were and i i think uh the brad bird ones i i find myself returning to like ratatouille and the incredibles are probably my two favorites um but i i think just the the visuals in this even if story-wise i think this maybe doesn't hit the pixar peak which you know when you look at the movies that are at that peak it it you it makes sense like that that's a pretty high bar that i don't know how many movies are gonna hit that but um i do think this is by far their most visually stunning movie as an animation studio and was just really breathtaking to watch yeah, I agree. I think it was uh, very, very beautiful visually, and the soundtrack to reiterate that is is incredible. And I think it's um, I don't know. I just think it was kind of a bold choice for the film too, with the story and everything. So it definitely stands out in a variety of ways. But yeah, the animation is terrific. There was a great video I saw on YouTube last year that kind of compared a dog in the first Toy Story to a cat in toy story 4 that came out last year and just the the cat in toy story 4 looks almost photorealistic and the dog in the first toy story just looks like a lump of plastic (laughs) and it i i coincidentally like had just watched the incredibles a couple weeks before seeing soul and you know i i think the Incredibles still looks great but even just the level of detail in things like hair and skin texture is just um i don't don't know it's it's pretty breathtaking to just see the strides that this animation um team has kind of come in just over a decade and seeing a movie that still looks good but then seeing how they've managed to sort of progress that animation and yeah, just the evolution the, the, of it. Yeah, just the level of detail and nuance. And there are kind of, um, even if the characters themselves still kind of have a cartoonish design to them, there's sort of wide shots of New York and um, other landscapes that you you could have told me were just like actual, like that's an actual real footage of New York um and i i don't know that i'm just rambling in circles talking about how i i think this is 
uh, one of just the best looking animated movies I've seen in quite a long time. No, it's worth rambling on about. Um, like I said, like you said, I think it's quite breathtaking. And I think, you know, animation is, is a difficult thing. It's a very long process. And um, the fact that they're able to make things that look this realistic and uh, just with all those details and that much attention to it, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, I think that kind of wraps us up for this week. Uh, Christy, thank you as always for for hopping on to discuss 80s superheroes and, you know, what what happens to us when our souls leave this plane of existence. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Next time you have that that duo, just let me know. 